This episode is brought to you by the American Urological Association and the AUA Update Series Editorial Committee. The AUA Update Series is renowned for delivering high-quality lessons to practicing urologists, fellows, and residents. All content is developed by internationally recognized experts in urology, making the AUA Update Series the most professional and sought-after self-study program available. Now in its 42nd installment, the AUA Update Series delivers 40 lessons a year focused on timely topics and the latest surgical techniques. Subscribe today on the AUA University to improve your practice and patient care. AUA Update Series, Volume 42, Lesson 4, Difficult Foley's and Foley Difficulties. Authors Heron L. Beller and Kirsten L. Green. Introduction. The purpose of this update is to describe troubleshooting approaches for common catheter issues that are not well described in the literature. These will include difficult Foley catheter placement and escalation through special equipment, as well as balloon deflation failure. Difficult Foley Placement. Indications. Prior to attempting catheter placement, the indications for catheter placement should be reviewed. While this sounds simplistic, up to 50% of all indwelling catheters in hospitals are not indicated. Of note, in cases of pelvic fracture-associated urethral injury, suprapubic tube placement, not Foley placement, following retrograde urethography is recommended for urinary drainage per the 2020 AUA Eurotrauma Guidelines. Various approaches have been presented in addressing the common urological issue of difficult Foley catheter placement. Based upon existing data, the following algorithm provides a rational approach to catheter placement based on the anatomical difficulty. Difficult catheters can be characterized into three broad categories. 1. Difficulty visualizing the meatus. 2. Inability to cannulate the meatus or fossa navicularis. And 3. Resistance within the urethra. Difficulty visualizing the urethral meatus. Obesity or edema, male and female. While difficulty visualizing the urethral meatus is more common in obese female patients, the same principles apply for obese males with buried penis or penoscrotal edema. The primary issue is exposure. Women should be placed in the frog leg or lithotomy position. If possible, the patient should be placed into the Trendelenburg position to further retract lower abdominal adiposity away from the perineum. Light should be optimized with overhead lights or a flashlight. Finally, one or numerous assistance may be needed to retract the panis to expose the urethral meatus. For male patients with buried penis or penoscrotal edema, pressure should be applied at the base of the penis to retract as much skin back as possible. If the penis itself is edematous, circumferential pressure can be held to mobilize the fluid. For extreme difficulty visualizing the glands, use of a vaginal speculum, nasal speculum, laryngoscope, and cystoscope can be considered. Female. The female urethral meatus can be difficult to identify due to anatomical variation, pelvic organ prolapse, atrophic vaginitis, intravaginal retraction of the urethral meatus, prior surgery, or radiation can all contribute. The bottom half of a speculum can be utilized to apply downward retraction into the vagina. Gentle traction upward below the clitoris can be helpful. Following the above measures to optimize positioning, the tip of the catheter can be used to systematically and gently probe all visible candidates. If all sites have been eliminated, the catheter placement can be attempted by palpation. To the touch, the urethral meatus will feel like a buttonhole in a lab coat in the 12 o'clock position on the anterior vaginal surface. An index finger is placed at 12 o'clock at the vaginal introitus. 
A 14 French coude or silicone catheter is then guided along the top of the finger into the urethra. A 14 French silicone catheter may allow more stiffness and facilitate insertion in certain scenarios. In rare cases where the urethromeatus cannot be cannulated by palpation, cystoscopy can be used to attempt to identify the urethromeatus, especially in cases of extreme vulvar atrophy due to pelvic radiation. A soft hydrophilic wire or an open-ended ureteral catheter can be used to probe candidates to identify the urethromeatus. A cystoscope can be placed over the catheter or wire to confirm intravesical cannulation. Alternatively, a Foley catheter can then be placed over the wire. Phimosis Phimosis in males can limit visibility of the urethromeatus. In such cases, catheterization can be attempted by feel if the phimotic opening will accommodate a catheter. The urethromeatus lies on the ventral midline of the glands. With a firm grasp on the corona through the foreskin, the glands can be probed gently with the tip of a well-lubricated catheter. Sterility is challenging and can be attempted using cotton swabs of betadine. If the phimotic band is too tight, it can be gently dilated using a lubricated Kelly clamp or sequential male sounds. In severe cases, a dorsal slit can be performed. For both procedures, a penile block should be performed. In all cases, formal circumcision should be offered in the outpatient setting. Inability to cannulate the urethromeatus. Meatal stenosis can be seen in the setting of lichen sclerosis, atrophic vaginitis, and prior trauma. The meatus can be dilated serially using metal sounds or the distal tip of hydrophilic S-curve dilators. Fossa navicularis strictures in men are a difficult problem. Dilation can be performed using metal sounds or the distal tip of the curved S dilators. It is important to remember, however, that endoscopic dilation of meatal stenosis and fossa navicularis strictures has a high recurrence rate. Long-term success rates of dilations are less than 50% when considering all urethral strictures. Insertion of a suprapubic tube should be considered in those with a high probability of requiring a formal repair in the future if clinically appropriate. Suprapubic tubes can be placed by urology or interventional radiology, depending on patient risk and local practice patterns. Interventional radiology-guided suprapubic tube placement may be more appropriate for patients with prior pelvic surgery with disruption of the space of retzius, midline lower abdominal scars, or concern for bowel overlying the bladder on cross-sectional imaging. In the acute inpatient setting, especially in patients on anticoagulation or antiplatelet agents, gentle dilation may be more appropriate. Resistance within the urethra. Prior to urological consultation for difficult urethral catheterization, an average of 1.6 catheter attempts are tried by previous providers. Whenever possible, a focus history must be obtained to elicit the patient's prior urological history, type of catheter attempted by previous providers, the perceived location of urethral resistance, and the presence of gross blood on catheters with prior attempts. Any blood with resistance or extreme pain should be considered a traumatic attempt with urethral injury and a high likelihood of false passage creation. Attempt standard catheter placement first. For all patients without prior urological history and without concern for traumatic catheterization attempts, we believe it is worth attempting standard catheter placement once. 41% of consultations for difficult Foley placement do not require special maneuvers. The penis should be stretched to minimize the angulation in the posterior urethra, and the patient should be asked to wiggle their toes or cough to relax the external sphincter. Perineal pressure can help straighten the posterior angulation of the urethra. Lubrication with lidocaine jelly and use of an appropriately sized drainage catheter rather than a very small catheter is often successful in the absence of an anatomical abnormality such as stricture. 
it can additionally be a good teaching opportunity for hospital staff. Nursing education has been shown to decrease iatrogenic urethral injuries and should be prioritized in appropriate settings. If it is not successful, the location of resistance can guide next steps. Attempt insertion of one to two carefully selected catheters. For older men on medications for benign prostatic hyperplasia, larger catheters should be attempted. 18 French to 20 French Coudet. Coudet tips should be utilized to facilitate passage through the natural 30-degree ventral curvature of the posterior urethra. Smaller catheters will coil in the posterior urethra, and it is better to choose larger catheters rather than smaller catheters in this setting. In those with prior prostate surgery, transurethral resection of the prostate, robot-assisted laparoscopic prostatectomy, or radiation, bladder neck contracture can be suspected. In this case, a smaller, stiffer catheter is more likely to bypass the narrowing. For younger men, who are less likely to have benign prostatic hyperplasia, urethral stricture should be suspected. Narrower and stiffer catheters such as 12 French Coudet or 12 French Silicone are better able to navigate strictures. Blind passage of a glide wire. Option. When an attempted catheter placement is unsuccessful, an alternative technique to immediate cystoscopy is to attempt to advance a hydrophilic floppy tip wire such as the Terumo glide wire into the bladder. In a prior AUA update, Villanueva and Hemstreet reported that 80% of patients who failed previous catheter placements had successful blind passage of a glide wire into the bladder. The floppy tip is thought to reflect back out the urethra when it encounters a false passage. As of 2010, this method was the second-line attempt in approximately 15-20% to 20 of U.S. residents in a survey study. Risks of blind wire passage include passage of a wire into an existing or new false passage with subsequent dilation of a false passage with associated urethral trauma. In cases where blind wire passage is not possible, these attempts can unnecessarily prolong the procedure and increase patient discomfort. To confirm intravesical passage of the wire into the bladder prior to catheter advancement, a 5 French open ureteral catheter can be placed over the wire to confirm lack of resistance. Upon removal of the wire, urine drainage should be seen. Alternatively, ultrasound can be used to visualize the intravesical location of the sensor wire. Cystoscopy. The use of the flexible cystoscope to advance a guide wire into the bladder was first described in 1989 and has been shown to be a safe bedside alternative to suprapubic catheterization. Flexible cystoscopy is required in 5 to 37% of patients seen by a urologist for difficult urethral catheterization. The most common causes of difficult catheterization in males requiring flexible cystoscopy include urethral strictures, greater than 45%, bladder neck contracture, 20%, false passage, greater than 10%, prostate cancer, less than 5%, and benign prostatic hyperplasia, less than 5%. Flexible cystoscopy is considered the safest approach to placement of catheters as it allows the clinician to directly visualize the presence, site, and degree of obstruction as well as any urethral injury during prior attempts at urethral catheterization. It can be considered as the first-line option following traumatic catheterization attempts to minimize further injury to the urethra, particularly intraoperatively or in patients on anticoagulation. Following standard sterilization and analgesia, the flexible cystoscope is advanced into the urethra under direct visualization. Upon identifying the true lumen of the urethra, a guide wire can be placed into the urinary bladder. If possible, the cystoscope can be advanced over the wire into the bladder to confirm its location. If not possible, dilation will be necessary. False passages are most commonly created in the posterior bulbar or prostatic urethra due to use of excessive force advancing the catheter in an insufficiently straightened urethra. If a false passage is present, the location and severity should be noted.
the true lumen will most likely be anterior to the false passage, and therefore attention should be directed to the 12 o'clock position on the screen. In difficult situations, increasing pressure on the cystoscopy fluid and careful gentle probing with a floppy tip wire can help identify the true lumen. An advantage of using a cystoscope versus blind wire placement is that the examiner can evaluate the urethra. This may be important in determining how long the catheter should stay in, as well as determining the need for further procedures. Filiform and followers. Filiforms are narrow 2 French to 6 French flexible stylets with various tips that are used to navigate the urethra. Over the filiform, a follower is used to dilate the urethra. Intravesical location can be confirmed using the drainage hole in the follower. While filiforms and followers may be safe in the hands of experienced providers, the majority of urology residents in the U.S. have limited exposure to filiforms and will most likely not use them in practice. As such, they are not included in our algorithm. Urethral dilation. If dilation is necessary, as in for urethral stricture or bladder neck contracture, serial dilation or balloon dilation can be performed. If hydrophilic S dilators are used, it is critical to confirm that the wire is in the bladder to avoid dilation of a false passage. This can be done by passing an open-ended ureteral catheter, 5 French, or the smallest 8 French S dilator over the wire. With correct positioning in a patient in urinary retention, urine should drain upon removal of the wire. Alternatively, ultrasound can be used to visually confirm the presence of the wire in the bladder. The disposable S-dilators have a hydrophilic coating that must be soaked in saline prior to passage into the urethra over a wire. Following confirmation of correct wire positioning, hydrophilic S-dilators can be serially introduced over a stiff guide wire to dilate the stricture from 8 French to up to 20 French. This method has been found to be safe and effective in the treatment of urethral strictures in a tertiary care setting. Dilation should be performed to 2 French to 4 French greater than the desired catheter size. The smallest possible catheter should be placed to minimize urethral trauma and repeat instrumentation. A 14 French council tip catheter should be sufficient in most patients with minimal bleeding. Metal dilators can be used, but this should be done with extreme caution. Without direct visual guidance, complications can include false passage and urethral perforation. Balloon dilation is an alternative to this, using one of the many commercially available balloon dilating kits. The balloon pressure and extent of dilation will be determined by the type of pressure source, such as a 10 milliliter syringe versus a pressure syringe. The balloon may be placed over a wire to the point of resistance under fluoroscopy or direct cystoscopic visualization. The balloon is used to dilate the urethra and the location of the stricture. Direct vision balloon dilation can be performed if the appropriate balloon dilators are available. Balloon dilation applies radial force on the stricture with less shearing force. Balloon dilation may decrease the risk of anterior urethral strictures by avoiding serial dilation and associated repeat instrumentation. Placing a catheter over a wire. A council tip catheter can be used in cases where wire guidance is needed. If not available, a council tip can be readily created with any catheter using a 14-gauge angiocatheter. 1. The angiocatheter is placed through the lateral eyelet, drainage hole, and advanced through the center of the distal tip of the catheter. 2. A wire is placed through the lumen of the angiocatheter. 3. The angiocatheter is then removed as the wire is redirected down the catheter lumen. Alternatively, a catheter tip cutter may be used depending on availability. Following confirmation of intravesical wire placement, the wire is held on tension by an assistant while a catheter is advanced over the wire. A catheter should be 2 French smaller than the dilation diameter to accommodate the width of the balloon port. Difficult catheter removal. The catheter may be difficult to remove with or without balloon deflation. The Foley balloon may fail to deflate due to a faulty valve mechanism, 
blockage of the inflation channel, and rarely, crystallization of the fluid within the balloon. The first step in troubleshooting difficult catheter removal is to confirm that the balloon is deflated. A 10-milliliter syringe can be utilized to withdraw fluid from the balloon port to make sure no additional fluid is removed. This will eliminate the possibility of technical error or larger balloons with more than 10 milliliters in the balloon. If the balloon is deflated, consider the possibility of balloon cuffing. If the balloon can be deflated by removing fluid from the balloon port, but the catheter meets resistance upon attempted removal, potential balloon cuffing should be considered. In this phenomenon, the balloon deflates with an elevated circumferential cuff around the deflated balloon. Upon retraction, the cuff acts like a hook to prevent catheter removal. Balloon cuff formation is more likely to be seen with 30 milliliter balloons than with 10 milliliter balloons, and more with suprapubic catheters than with transurethral catheters. If this is suspected, the cuff can be reduced by inflating or deflating the balloon four to five times. Alternatively, the deflated balloon can be reshaped by instilling one milliliter water into the balloon and allowing passive drainage while gently removing the catheter. If the balloon cannot be deflated, step one, cut off the balloon valve. Cut the catheter proximal to the balloon valve to allow passive drainage of the balloon. If the valve mechanism is defective, this will allow the balloon to drain to facilitate catheter removal. This is generally considered the first step of troubleshooting a retained Foley catheter. Step 2. Address potential blockages in the inflation channel. If the balloon does not deflate after cutting off the valve, the next step is to consider potential blockage of the balloon inflation channel. In 1982, Adonisio et al. described using the stylet of a central venous line through the drainage channel. Now with the pervasive availability of guide wires in urology carts, the 0.035-inch hydrophilic glide wire is more accessible to most urologists. The glide wire can be advanced floppy end first down the inflation channel to the balloon, then removed to allow passive drainage of the balloon. In a small series of 11 patients, this method was found to be 100% successful when Foley balloons did not deflate after cutting the catheter. If the glide wire cannot be advanced, the core wire of a central venous catheter insertion pack can be utilized as modification. The central venous line guide wire is cut and the coil is removed to extract the core wire. The retained Foley catheter is cut closer to the erythromiatus and secured. The core wire is then inserted into the inflation channel to unclog the inflation channel and potentially rupture the balloon. Step 3. Attempt to burst the balloon through the inflation channel. Historically, the sharp end of a 7 French ureteric stent guide was advanced into the inflation channel to puncture the balloon. The back end, as in the non-floppy tip of a 0.035mm Omplot super stiff wire, may be more accessible in urology carts. Both can be guided down the inflation channel to attempt to puncture the balloon. In ex vivo studies, this has been found to be minimally successful, 16%, but with a very low risk of creating free fragments. If successful, the balloon should be carefully inspected upon removal to assess the possibility of retained balloon fragments. Cystoscopic confirmation may not be necessary. Step 4. Attempt chemical dissolution of the balloon. Installation of mineral oil is a safe and effective option when the balloon fails to deflate. Inject 10 milliliters mineral oil into the balloon port. If the balloon port has been cut as instructed above, an intravenous IV catheter will be needed to instill mineral oil. Wait 10 to 15 minutes. If the balloon has not dissolved, the process can be repeated once. This method has been found to be successful in 85 to 90% of cases, but it has a high risk of free fragment formation. Additionally, while mineral oil is thought to be inert in the bladder, data is limited. As such, cystoscopy should be performed to irrigate the bladder to prevent chemical cystitis and to cystoscopically remove any retained balloon fragments if present. This method of chemical dissolution is only effective for latex balloons. Silicone balloons will not rupture. Of note, 
Overinflation of the balloon is not recommended due to risk of patient discomfort, overdistension, and risk of retained free fragments. The method requires that the patient's bladder be filled with approximately 200 milliliters to create space for balloon rupture, and that the balloon be filled to 10 to 15 times the normal capacity, as in 200 to 300 milliliters. Additionally, bursting the balloon with overinflation has an 83 to 100% chance of creating free fragments, requiring cystoscopy confirmation with possible retrieval of fragments. Step 5. Utilize a needle to drain the balloon. Various methods can be utilized depending on the clinical scenario. In female patients with shorter urethras, the catheter can be placed on traction for easier access to the Foley balloon. Three approaches are possible in women. An IV cannula can be advanced in the drainage lumen of the catheter, then angled at the approximate location of the balloon, approximately 3 centimeters, in the urethra to drain the balloon. Transvaginal puncture through the anterior vaginal wall as well as transurethral aspiration alongside the catheter has been described. All of these methods risk injury to the urethra and should only be performed with extreme caution by experienced providers. In both males and females, suprapubic balloon drainage under ultrasound guidance is a safe option. With the balloon stabilized with traction, a spinal or lumbar puncture needle is inserted approximately two finger breadths above the pubic bone in a similar manner to percutaneous suprapubic catheter placement. Local analgesia is necessary. The patient should be counseled on the risk of bowel injury. If suprapubic drainage is not successful, Transrectal ultrasound with a transrectal biopsy needle can be considered in men. An 18-gauge true-cut needle can be guided transrectally to rupture the balloon through the prostate. Standard prostate biopsy antibiotics should be administered. In males with catheters lodged in the urethra, percutaneous drainage through the ventral urethra has also been described. In special cases, such as in those with anticoagulation and high risk of bleeding, endoscopic puncture can be considered. Summary Urologists have numerous specialized techniques in their armamentarium to troubleshoot challenging catheter issues. With proper technique and careful selection of catheters prior to insertion, the majority of catheters can be placed without escalation. Escalation to a guide wire and cystoscopy can be considered in truly difficult catheter insertion cases, especially in those with suspected urethral injury. Catheter removal, similarly, can follow a stepwise escalation algorithm utilizing guide wires, mineral oil, and rarely, needle puncture. Did you know? In difficulties in visualizing the urethral meatus, exposure can be optimized with positioning, manual retraction with assistance from additional providers, novel instruments, vaginal speculum, nasal speculum, etc., and or cystoscopy. Careful selection of catheters based on patient factors and urological considerations can expedite catheter placement. If a false passage is present, the true lumen will most likely be anterior to the false passage and therefore attention should be directed to the 12 o'clock position on cystoscopy. Prior to urethral dilation or catheter placement over a wire, correct positioning of the wire can be confirmed using cystoscopy, ultrasonography, or by inserting an open-ended catheter to visualize drainage of urine. For difficulty removing an indwelling catheter, a stepwise approach can be utilized to ensure proper balloon deflation and atraumatic or minimally invasive removal. If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to hear more episodes like this one, or are interested in the AUA update series, please visit the AUA University at auanet.org university for more information or to purchase your subscription today.